When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 43 of Land Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm once again joined by Justin Golba for this week's episode, uh, focusing pretty much on Ohio State recruiting again, and some news and notes from Chris Holtman's media availability that we had this week, which was the first time we've talked to him um, pretty much since April. Yeah, we had a big boom to Ohio State this week. Actually, today is we're recording this, and uh, there's potentially a second and maybe a third on the horizon it's like maybe a third i'm i'm ron burgundy (laughs) plus um you already said chris holtman that that was the first immediate availability media availability um since malachi random committed so and that day when we talked to him it pretty much was just about malachi so so we actually got to ask some different questions um this week and we'll go through that at the end as well yeah and also we have a cool interview this week uh we talked to davis mosley about Devin Royal, Scotty Middleton, and a bunch more. Uh, Davis writes for Rivals, currently covers the Michigan Wolverines and Rutgers Scarlet Knights. He also just started on the national desk for the college basketball transfer portal, and he kind of just covers the Big Ten in general. Um, Michigan and Rutgers were two teams who offered Royal but did not make the cut, thankfully. But he has plenty of thoughts on Royal Middleton. He's really high on Royal and Middleton, so you'll hear about that. Um, a lot of other just young, exciting players in the Big Ten. You know, he's, he's kind of a rising uh, rising guy in, in this recruiting world so it's really fun to talk to him so I might as well uh lead off with the thing that people want to talk about uh Devin Royal he is a Buckeye he made the announcement Wednesday afternoon at his high school um, he picked Ohio State over Michigan State and over Alabama um after a, a late push from mostly from Michigan State um I, it doesn't seem like anybody actually thought that Alabama had a chance he didn't visit Alabama um, it seemed like it was pretty clearly Ohio State or Michigan State. Michigan State came in pretty late in the game. They were pretty aggressive and made a and made a strong push, um, made a strong ass offer, as as Will Way would say. But um, Ohio State gets their guy, gets their local guy, um, and he is now the third member of that that recruiting class. Luckily, they did not do what Will Wade would do uh, when it comes to recruiting. But anyway. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll ignore we'll ignore Will Wade for now. Um, yeah, go ahead. I don't think he's gonna come on a pod. So, um, I don't know. Do they do they let you come on podcast like in jail wherever he is? Anyway, um, so back to Devin Royal. Uh, yeah, I mean that was it. It was kind of the the whispers were saying he was going to Ohio State, but you know until they put that hat on and smile to the camera, you always kind of get worried. And um, Michigan State's very appealing. Let's be honest, especially they just got Xavier Booker. Uh, they just last night we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday night. Gary Norman, who is kind of like a top 50, 60 guy in the class, committed to Michigan State, and it seemed like he was kind of the one they pivoted to when it seemed like Royal was going to Ohio State. So getting that commitment from him for Michigan State kind of said all we need to know about Royal. But um, it was it was nice to finally see him put on the hat and say he was officially coming to Columbus. Well, staying in Columbus, I guess. Yeah, it, it seemed like in the in the last week or so, it was pointing towards Ohio State. That was there was the, the article from Jamie Chauvin three that pretty much said that um, that he was focusing on one school and that one that one school was Ohio State. So it sounded like it was pretty much leaning towards OSU in like the last twenty four to forty eight hours. Um, I was 
hearing from a lot of people, not that I'm really that plugged into the inside, but hearing from people that know more than we do that um, it sounds like it was pretty much a wrap, but it does, it, it is nice to see him like put on the hat and be like, okay, it's done because that's not a guy that Ohio state could afford to lose to Michigan state because he's probably going to be a multi-year guy in the big 10. I don't think he's going to be a one and done kind of guy. Um, so Chris Holtman really does not want Devin Royal coming back to the Schottenstein center once a year to like drop 18 points, 12 rebounds and four assists on his Buckeyes and have all the fans get all pissed off and remind him that he let the Pickerington kid um, leave and go play for Michigan state. Yeah. Real quick shout out to Jamie Shaw because he posted an article today about uh, like Devin Royal and like kind of him coming to Ohio state and he tagged some people like that are close to Ohio state hoops and he tagged me. So um, he probably doesn't listen to this, but shout out to Jamie Shaw for that. Anyway, that is cool. um, That is very cool. Yeah, I thought I was like, "Oh, sweet, thanks, brother." Um, you know, maybe follow me back. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, it was it, you know the thing about Devin Royal is he is it, it's funny because as of right now, you know, and we'll talk about Scotty Middleton later. We don't know where he's committing yet when this comes out. Uh, this will come out Thursday. He's committing Saturday. As of right now, Middleton's a higher ranked prospect, but it definitely feels like Devin Royal was the guy. Like the guy they had to get, the guy, the priority target. You know, he's going to probably finish as the number one ranked player in Ohio. Might win Mr. Ohio. I really don't know. I, I've never understood the criteria for how they vote on that. So, um, but we'll see what he does. It'd be cool if he does because that would be two in a row they got or two in three years they got, right? Malachi was 2021. Who's, oh, Gabe Cups 2022. Yeah. So it'd be two out of three years. Um, and, and you're right. It would just be a, if he, like, it's one thing to lose a recruit like the Luke Kennards to Duke. It's another thing to lose a recruit to Michigan State and have to see him twice a year and just remind you of what you missed out on. He would, I guarantee you, this isn't a player comp, but in terms of annoyance, if he went to Michigan State, he'd be like a Draymond Green. Just every single time you play him, he's just that kind of the guy you just can't get away from. Um, I don't think he really plays like Draymond Green, but that would be the kind of level of just like kind of in your face and. Um, and just how good he was. I mean, Draymond terrorized Ohio State. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's nice. Like I said, it's nice to see him put on the hat. And now, I mean, you got three of your probably four guys in this class, and it's August third. So it's really it, if you could lock up this class come August sixth, that would be pretty incredible. And just kind of that weight off the shoulders of the coaches to focus on now. What is a kind of a ragtag group of guys in your twenty twenty two team? So. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't out at Pickerington for the event, but I was watching it online and he said like they asked him he was on ESPN with um Paul Biancardi from ESPN and he asked him like what made Ohio State stand out and he just kinda said like I, I just felt like they were the ones that wanted me the most. I felt like they were the ones that recruited me the hardest, which is probably true. true. We we yeah. talked about that a couple weeks ago, like pretty much through his junior season and this summer with AAU. Ohio State has had either Holtman himself or Diebler or Nettie or like any of those assistant coaches. Like we, we got to have somebody at Devin's game, wherever Devin's game is, whether that's um, here in town, if that's at the Kingdom League down uh, at, at Ohio Dominican, if that's at the Peach Jam and Peach Jam's in Atlanta, right? Um, yeah. Whether, that, whether, that's it, whether that's down in Georgia at the Peach Jam, like we have to have somebody at all of his games, like no questions asked. Um, so he just said, I think that, that Ohio State recruited me the hardest, and they're the ones that showed me the most love and really showed that they wanted me to be there. Um, so, you know, that they you buy in, they bought in early. They were recruiting him when he was a three-star, when his ranking was up in, like, over 100. He wasn't even a top 100 player, and they cash in. And, you know, you can't lose a player like that that's right there in your backyard. So now they're going to pivot, and they're going to look at – they're going to have another guy that we'll talk about here in a second that is also in their backyard. Um, and then another guy who's not even close to being in their backyard who grew up in Miami and is now playing in Kansas. But now that they've locked up Royal, they're going to try to get a fourth and potentially a fifth guy. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed, and it, it just makes you worry because, like, I, you know, you were watching the Paul thing. Uh, like, Xavier Booker was in the chat. Dalen Swan was in the chat. You know, and these guys are, like, kind of – it's funny watching them kind of, like, try to sway him, like, last second as if like them Royals watching it or something. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, 
I yeah, I, I it's just it's it's weird. It's 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 kind of a weird the way this this class is kind of coming together. It's it's really exciting, and I think that um, you know, as you said, Scotty Middleton, the Kansas guy who's not going to Kansas. Um, he he made that clear. He's down to Seton Hall, UConn, and and Ohio State, and it kind of seems like he's down to Seton Hall in, in Ohio State, if we're being honest. Um, I don't know how much the smoke from Seton Hall people of like his fa- I, I know you've seen it. His family's pushing him to Seton Hall. I don't know if that's real or not. Twitter's really tough. You can't tell who is actually like plugged in and who's not. Yeah, um, dude. If you if you just went by Twitter, you would probably assume that Devin he's going to Seton Hall. Was I'm, yeah. I'm Devin Roll? I'm talking. About, I'm backing up. I'm saying if you only paid oh. attention to, you would assume that Devin Roll was probably going to Michigan State, for example. Yeah, that too. That too, for sure. If you were play, if it was only on Twitter, I think you'd say Ohio State was losing both. So that's where it's just it's it's weird. But then you look at like, I mean, uh, Justin Thind is a I think it's Thind is a Michigan State two four seven insider, and he crystal he he put a, he put Devin Roy at Ohio State two weeks ago, and he said when he crystal wall someone he knows it's a hundred percent. So he knew two weeks ago Devin Royal was going to Ohio State. So that's probably before Devin Royal knew. So um, it's just it is kind of weird who who is actually plugged in and who's not. And when it comes to Seton Hall, I really don't know because it's such a weird kind of team and a weird market where they are. We got so the, the other two guys that we've kind of danced around talking about here. Um, the reason that they are important, you have Dalen Swain. He is uh, today or yesterday, earlier this week. He announced that he was going to cut down his final five schools um, on Friday. And then we have Scotty Middleton, who is making a final decision on Saturday. Um, these are two guys who, who are very similar build physically. They are neither are as, as, I don't know, big and dense and strong as Devin Royal. Um, these are two guys who could probably play the two and the three, whereas Devin Royal is probably not going to um, – fill much of a guard role at all he's going to be bigger and stronger and he's going to be um going to be playing the three or the four but basically what i'm getting at is those two guys may not be able to coexist those are two guys that could cut into each other's playing time so it's interesting that out of nowhere this week uh dalen swain who is a columbus kid says i'm going to cut it down to five on friday which happens to be the day before scotty middleton is potentially going to commit to ohio state um, both very good players. Adam Jardy, who, who's our guy, we we trust Adam Jardy's word with our life. Adam Jardy said that Dalen Swain is kind of a, a boomer bust kind of guy. Like if if Dalen Swain can put on twenty twenty five pounds of muscle, um, he could be a potentially a one or two year in college and then off to the NBA kind of guy. Where if he doesn't, he could maybe not even live up to his recruiting um, ranking, his potential. So he's kind of a riskier play, but really, really a good player. Um, and then Scotty Middleton's a borderline five star. Some recruiting rankings, I think, have him as a five star. Yeah, um, and I, I, it is even worth pointing out. I believe the way the points shake out, if Ohio State lands Scotty Middleton Saturday, they will move up to the third ranked class in the country, and just behind Kentucky and Duke. So, I mean, that's that is high level recruiting right there. Yeah, I mean, they're going to end up with probably a. They're going to end up with uh, almost certainly a top ten class, regardless. But I think what's what's impressive, even though they're not really bagging any like top ten. Well, I guess the top ten guys are like two or three are going to go to Kentucky, two or three are going to go to Duke, two or three are going to play in like the G League. Um, but if Ohio State yeah. misses on Dalen Swain, they're right there for Middleton, or vice versa. If Middleton goes to Seton Hall, um, I wouldn't say that it's a lock that Dalen Swain goes to Ohio State. But it seems pretty darn likely that Ohio State is going to end up with one of those two guys at least, which means they're going to have a, a class with four four-stars in back-to-back years, which is really good. Yeah, I'm willing to even say – I'll go out on a limb here and say that it's 100% they'll get one of the two. I, that's, I mean, I don't know that. It's just a feeling. But um, it, it, Swain is going to have Ohio State in his top five on Friday. It's going to be Ohio State, Xavier – and three other schools. Um, I don't exactly know where he's looking at. I know he's trying to set an official visit to Ohio State, and I believe maybe they said Oregon. No, Oregon doesn't sound right. Another school that he's trying to – maybe it was Xavier. He's trying to set officials to. So he is trying to get to Ohio State. He is trying to visit. Um, and, I mean, he was in the chat with Devin Royal kind of, I mean, putting like a Buckeye emoji and stuff, like kind of enticing him to go to Ohio State. So 
Uh, and then Devin Royal said that he's going to definitely talk to Dylan Swain. So it's interesting to see when these guys, I don't know how much sway it actually has with these guys when they, you know, when they recruit others. If you look at like, like I'm very, for some reason, I'm very active on Michigan State Twitter. And like Jeremy Fears is their big guy coming in, their point guard. He's been recruiting, you know, Xavier Booker like, like it was his job, you know. So I don't know how impo- how much that plays a role, uh, but you have to think it plays. I mean, Swain and Royal are friends, so you have to think it plays a little bit of a role. It right. is interesting that the Swain's putting out his top five right the day before Middleton commits. That right, that um, cannot be a coincidence. It can't, it no, can't it can't be. be a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence. I mean, it, it's insane how much. From August third to August sixth, how much basketball recruiting news we're getting? It's it's unbelievable, and there is a world where they take all three. Um, it would leave them a little bit tricky next year when it comes to the transfer portal. And we know Holtman does like to dip in there and grab a guy or two that they need, and sometimes three that they need. So it'll be interesting to see kind of. But what was it? Eleven teams this year had nobody transfer out. So yeah, yeah, I think ten. Ten out of two hundred fifty-six. Yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of – I don't know who it would be, but you can maybe just assume somebody's going to go after this year. Um, so, it's yeah. it's it's hard to – it's so tough in this day and age to figure out your lineup this far ahead, you know, a year in advance just because so many things are so fluid. If you told me this time last year Michi Johnson would transfer, I'd be like, you're crazy. Uh, and he's gone. So, and shout out to South Carolina because they got Michi Johnson and the number one recruit in the class. So, that's kind of cool. Um, but, nevertheless – it'll be very interesting to see kind of how Saturday unfolds because it seems like Middleton's coming to Ohio state. That's, I mean, that's where he's been crystal balled. That's where the insider right. say is going. I mean, Andrew Slater, if you don't follow him, he's, he's locked into almost everything. I think a year ago, he said it's down to Ohio state and Seton hall. And it's just been that the whole time. So um, it, it'll be very, very, I'm very curious to see what happens on Saturday. I was, I, to be honest, I thought Middleton was closer to Ohio State than Royal was, so that's that was just a hunch, but we'll see. We asked Davis about that too, so we asked him too, so he'll you'll get to hear kind of his input on that as well. Um, basically, what it shakes out to with the roster is you have for for next season you have your five freshmen, and this is assuming that nobody transfers out. You have your five freshmen from this season. You would then hypothetically, if Ohio State gets Scotty Middleton this weekend. And then they also get Dale and Swain. There you have another five-member class. So there's another five freshmen, or the other freshmen become sophomores. So you have five and five makes ten. Then you have Eugene Brown, Zed Key would both be seniors, and Tanner Holden would be a fifth-year senior. There's your 13 scholarships. It's full. There's no space to take any incoming transfers, which in, in an age where it's like every single team, part of their roster construction is – how many transfers are we going to take? Like, what do we need in the transfer market? It, it seems wrong to say like Ohio State's going to have all 13 scholarships set up and locked in a year in advance. No transfers will be taken. They'll have all their boxes checked. They'll be ready to go. Um, when 96% of teams saw at least one player transfer out, you have to assume, you got to assume that probably one guy is going to transfer out which would then drop them to 12, which would mean you'd have an empty spot for potentially a transfer, which when you say it that way, it's like, okay, maybe them getting Swain and Middleton isn't so crazy. Because if you're assuming somebody's going to bounce out, um, whether that's like Bowen Hardman potentially, or maybe like if Gene Brown sees his minutes get squeezed, um, then it's like, okay, they could potentially take five guys and still have a spot for an incoming transfer. Um, It's just so hard to predict that maybe tanner holden even though he's not going to the league maybe he tanner holden's like hey I, i've been in college for four years i don't want to use my fifth year i'm going to go play over in greece or france or something and i'm going to start making money uh, you, you just it's so hard to tell what's going to happen a year out but it seems like if dalen swain really wants to go to ohio state um ohio state could i mean they could take a five-man class that could make that happen yeah, and I think that's why even if Middleton does commit on Saturday, you still treat Dalen Swain as if you need him. You know what I mean? You don't just call him up and be like, hey, we're good. You know, like I think you you still treat him as such, and I think Holtman will and, and, the, and the, the the whole coaching staff will. So um, he's I'm, from I'm Columbus. A, he's from Columbus. Yeah. That's a that's a I'm not even from Columbus originally, and that's a big deal to me. I think that's really, I think that would be sick to have. Well, 
have a kid from Dayton, a kid from Columbus, another kid from Columbus, and a kid from St. Mary's all in your class, all top 100 guys. You got local dudes to come cheer for. That would be dope. Like that That's really important that he's a Columbus kid and to have the opportunity to go to Ohio State. Well, and that's the funny part. We do like a you're nuts thing every week where we would debate each other and we do basketball stuff because we're the basketball guys here. And what, a couple months ago, we did one of like, do, would you rather take just the best possible guys or in-state guys? And you argued Devin Royal and I argued Scotty Middleton. So it'd be kind of cool if they got both, <laughs> kind of play both cards there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's important to people and um, that's important to fans is to not let the the good kids that are in state get away, even if that might mean um, maybe giving up a slightly better player. Like I think that if you polled uh, Ohio State basketball fans that are like the fans that are knowledgeable on on some of the recruits and said, if you could only have one Devin Royal or Scotty Middleton with a gun to your head. I think Devin Royal would probably win the poll oh, easily, easily, even easily, though yeah. he's 40, 45 spots lower in recruiting rankings and is like objectively not as good of a player in eyes of the recruiting analysts. But I think the fans are like, that's okay. Like we want to cheer for the local kid. Yeah. And it is worth pointing out Devin Royal's ranking is going to go up. Uh, he will not be a, he'll be a top 40 at least guy by the time it's done, I would say. Um, I think he definitely has a chance to work his way even to the top 25. So it's, t- it's so rankings right now. It's kind of like taken with a grain of salt. Um, I, I, Paul Biancardi mentioned this, but if you didn't catch it, he said he was the third, uh, Royal was the third most efficient scorer in the EYBL circuit this year. So uh, he just did everything right. I mean, he's, he's special. And I think that he's going, and the good part about him and look, it, it's take it with a grain of salt because I did not think Malachi was a one and done. But it, there's really no scenario in my head where Devin Royal is a one and done. I think he's definitely a two or three year guy, and you, but I think he'll be an immediate contributor as well, which is kind of like the perfect little storm. Um, it was kind of like Malachi before he had the, the insane breakout game, you know, where we were like, "Oh crap, he, he might be gone," you know. So yeah, I, I can um, see Devin Royal being like a freshman, and he scores like I don't know seven or eight points a game as a freshman, maybe coming off the bench, and then double-digit scorer as like a sophomore and a junior, but then potentially leaving, that kind of thing. But like an impact player right away, maybe not a star right away. Yeah, so I, I you know, I kind of, you know, I think we've touched on Swain and Middleton. You know, we've touched on Royal. Royal's official, so, you know, we can talk about him as, as a Buckeye. Hopefully, if you're listening to this on Sunday, August 7th, Middleton's official as well. Um, but yeah. as of right now, we, we're not we're not positive, so, you know. It'll be just – and also Swain hasn't released his top five. Maybe there's a curveball in there. Ohio State's not in it. I highly doubt he would say, um, I'm putting um, – I'm trying to get an Ohio State official visit and then the next day say he's going to release his top five and then not put Ohio State in the top five. That doesn't really make any sense. But anything's possible. So And, and he's like – yeah, and he's like in Devin Royal's like Instagram Live when he was deciding. He's like commenting on like the, the Buckeyes and like all like the Buckeye emojis yeah. and stuff. So I think what will probably happen, and we're recording this – on Wednesday, what will happen is Friday, uh, Dale and Swain will put out his top five. It'll be like Ohio State, uh, Cincinnati, Xavier, North Carolina State, and like Arizona State. And then Middleton will probably commit to Ohio State on Saturday. We're just spitballing here. And then it'll come down to can Ohio State take a fifth player? Can they take Dale and Swain as well? So that'll be the question that we'll be pondering in two weeks, um, most likely. But um, anyway, so. Today we are going to be joined by Davis Mosley, who writes for Rivals. He covers Michigan. He covers Rutgers. Um, we asked him about Ohio State's potential recruits. Um, we talked about Royal. We're asking about Middleton and just some general uh, freshmen that people should keep an eye on um, this season in the Big Ten. So without further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Davis Mosley. <laughs> joined by a special guest, Mr. Davis Mosley of Rivals. He covers both Michigan and Rutgers men's basketball. And it's here to talk a little bit about these 2023 guys with us. So, Davis, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, man, I'm super uh, super excited to be here. I think it's going to be a great show. I, I like the three personalities we've got on here. I think, uh, I think we're going to be able to really hit it off and have a good show for everybody. <laughs> 
For sure. So we're going to start with the obvious one. Uh, Devin Royal, as we're recording this, like we said earlier, it's, it's Wednesday. So uh, he did he did commit today. Right now, he's in the low 70s in the 247 rankings. I know you are a lot higher on him than that. Um, but we'll kind of talk a little bit about Royal and just kind of what you see his ceiling being as he gets to Ohio State. Yeah, so you know, obviously, with me being over at Rivals, I'm going to use their uh, their ranking system. I think I think Rivals has them at number ninety, uh, which which I think I was quoted saying it was uh, idiotic or something along those lines, and and I I, uh, I don't quite think that was my best choice of words there, but that that is a bad ranking, it just just plain and simple. And that was that was ranked, you know, I would say a couple months ago when Devin probably had a couple, you know dozens of pounds of bad weight on him. He, he was probably pushing 240, you know, 235, 240, and it wasn't good weight. And, and he slimmed down and then added uh, a lot of muscle. He's probably sitting around 225 now. I, I really like him. I, I, down at Peace Jam, I thought he was one of the better players down there, uh, regardless of class. And quite honestly, I, I think I said that you could probably cut his ranking in half, and it's probably still 20 spots too low. And I, I, I still stick with that saying. I, I, I think Devin is probably the best fit in a – 20 to 35 range for ranking and as, as i said there's a lot of more updates to come and i think devin will devin will creep up into that borderline five-star status i don't i don't think um I, i'm not 100 sure if he'll get there but i wouldn't totally put it out of the question and, and if it were up to me i, I think i'd probably have him you know somewhere between 25 28 something something along those lines yeah and it's interesting because you know he had three schools but it was it was a two horse race between Ohio State and Michigan mm-hmm. State. He never even visited Bama. Um, you know, do you, what do you think? Kind of if you if you have any inkling of what played the biggest role, he talked about. You know, Ohio State just recruited him the best, is what he said. Um, and do you think that you know? I think Michigan State fans they really wanted that duo of Booker and Royal. Um, but what do you think? Kind of led to him ultimately choosing Ohio State over Michigan State. Did they just get in too late? Kind of you know what did you see there? Uh, probably a little bit of uh, you know of, of that it being a factor of, of getting in a little later. I think another uh, another factor would be prioritization. At the end of the day, you know Devin's going to play that three four role uh, in, in college, probably a little more four. And and at the end of the day, Michigan State went for Xavier Booker, and they've got you know Cohen Carr coming in on a visit, and there, there seems to be some rumblings there. And, and Devin Royal was always was always one of those guys that they wanted, but. The end of the day, Ohio State prioritized them. Ohio State, you know, said, "You are our guy. You are the number one target on our board." And and quite quite frankly, they brought him, you know, brought him in and, and kept him kept him home in Ohio. Davis, this is gonna uh, let your creativity run wild here a little bit. Are there any okay. recent, any recent college basketball comps that you can think of to Devin Royal of what he could be? Oh man, that's tough because he kind of. Because right, he's kind of got that same physicality and size that EJ Liddell had. And I'm not saying he's EJ Liddell or anything like that, but but he's kind of has that same size and physicality and ability to play multiple positions. I I don't know if I could give. I don't. I'm I'm a, a bit weird about player comparisons. I think that they're unfair to both the recruit and and the player that they're being compared to because everybody's so different at the end of the day. But sure. I think I think that a role that I could see him fill is sort of that EJ Liddell role. I really think he has the ability to play the four and maybe not as much five because Liddell was almost forced to play some five for, for Ohio State. I think I think he's going to come in at the four and, and really play uh, a, a fair share of minutes, potentially early as a freshman. Uh, but I think I think two, three years down the line, you're probably looking at, at a guy that if, if you rank him somewhere between 25 and 30, you're looking back at that ranking feeling really good about what you did there. That that's my perception. I think he's a two to three uh, year college player, maybe four if, if if things go a little slow. But at the end of the day, that's going to be a really good college player, and I think he has the uh, the potential to play uh, at the next level as well. Do you think his jump shot is probably a little farther along than EJ's was at the same stage? You know, EJ Liddell was absolutely not a shooter as a freshman, and he really wasn't a great shooter as a sophomore either. Do you think that uh, Devin's shot is a little bit farther along? Yeah, Liddell turned into a pretty good shooter by the end of his by the end of his career, which which was impressive to see, and that's a credit to the Ohio State staff. I think Devin's shot probably is a little bit longer, uh, you know, uh, a little bit further on, and, and got got more potential at this point, and, and is a little bit better as of now. Uh, but at the end of the day, he probably needs to uh, focus the majority of his time on that. I think he's his, the other facets of his game are are already pretty well refined and. 
of course he needs to continue to work on those, but that shot really needs to be his, his main thing. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think he shot, you know, somewhere in the, in the mid twenties from three uh, on EYBL play, you know, somewhere near 15 or 20 games. And that's pretty telling. And I think that's pretty fair. I think to expect Devin to come in and shoot, you know, uh, at, at the best low thirties, maybe, you know, mid to mid to high twenties from three as a freshman, I think that that's probably where expectations should be. But obviously, I, th- I think that's probably a little further along than where EJ Liddell was. Moving on to another guy um, who the Buckeyes and Spartans both offered um, and is deciding this weekend. Uh, Mr. Scotty Middleton is number 34, I believe. In well, we, we mostly have just the 24-7 rankings here, but he's like number 34 in 24-7's rankings. He's down to Ohio State, UConn, and Seton Hall. He'll decide this Saturday. Do you have a hunch on Scotty of where he's headed, and what are your just general thoughts on his ceiling in the Big Ten? Yeah, so as we're talking right now, I'm actually putting in a Scotty Middleton prediction. How about that? On on the live uh, podcast, I'm putting one in for Scotty Middleton. How about that? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. But where yeah, are, where are you where are you putting them? <laughs> I can tell you, it is not UConn or Seton Hall. How about that? No, I, I like I really like where Ohio State is for for Scotty and and quite honestly I like Scotty a lot you know over at Rivals we have him at fifty nine right now and I think that's a little too low I know ESPN's pretty high on him up up at eighteen I believe that that's probably a touch high I think he's somewhere you know in the middle of that I think I think a conservative ranking would be you know mid forties but I think he probably fits somewhere between that thirty five to forty five range some somewhere around there. He's a really good defender. I, I was very impressed with, with how he defends, and, and he takes pride on that side of the ball. Not quite the athlete, um, you know, that, that maybe he, you know, uh, could, could perceive with how well he, he plays defense, and, and he finishes well at the rim. Uh, but, but, you know, he's super long. The guy's 6'6", six, six, uh, you know, he's probably got plus three or four on, on, on his wingspan. I, I really like him. He's, he's good, not, not an elite athlete by any stretch. But at the end of the day, he's a six foot six two guard that has the ability to play the three. That's that's really big, and and you know he's down to his final three of Ohio State's uh, Seton Hall, UConn. I know he recently dropped a five with Kansas and Texas A and M. I think it's Ohio State's uh, recruit to lose at this point. I I really like where the Buckeyes are for for Scotty, and I think he's gonna, he's going to be that guy that could come in and and play early as a freshman, maybe not take a, a Branham role or anything. You know, I think Malachi was was. Uh, a little further along, uh, you know, being a little more physically ready for the next level. Uh, but, but I think he can come in and play that role, that a, a very similar role where he's playing that two to three with, with a little bit of on-ball responsibility. I was, I was impressed with, with how he handles the ball. And I think he has the, you know, the potential to, to run some, you know, not, maybe not point forward, but secondary ball handling skills for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. You, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, he had Kansas and A&M in his top five. And for people that – maybe weren't paying attention to his recruitment. Kansas felt like the school he was probably going to go to just because of all those five schools. Kansas obviously sticks out like a sore thumb as the best. He's front, he, he goes to his high school, Sunrise Christians, in Kansas. His mm-hmm. high school teammate, Grady Dick, is going to Kansas. You know, like it felt like – so a lot of people – but if you were paying attention to his recruitment, you knew it's always kind of been Ohio State or Seton Hall he was leaning towards. Why Do you know why Kansas was really – not really on that list of final three, or is that just maybe maybe he maybe they kind of pulled back the recruitment of him? What was that? Do you know? Whenever I see a, a program that makes a lot of sense not be on the list, I like to think that maybe the other programs did something maybe a little better. So yeah. for Ohio State, Seton Hall, and UConn, I think there was a little more push from them. That would be my guess. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure, and I can't confirm why or why not, but. At the end of the day, it, it's it's more of a testament to Ohio State, Seton Hall, and, and Connecticut. Uh, Seton Hall's got a lot of stuff going on over there. Shaheen Holloway is is the real deal. He got St. Peter's to the the Elite Eight. Uh, that that's a lot of uh, a lot of momentum going for Seton Hall now. And UConn, they're doing a great job. They're really recruiting at a higher level than they have been uh, over the last you know five years. They're really picking it up and, and bringing home a lot of good talent. And then, of course, Ohio State, it, it's hard not to, to have the Buckeyes on there right now, especially I got a lot of respect for, for Holtman. I think he's an outstanding coach. And he's, he's you know, shown that he can develop those two to three guys 
you know, those those shooting guard small forwards, especially with, with how Ma- uh, Malachi performed as, as a freshman. Uh, I, I think Scotty really appreciated those three programs. Uh, and I think it had more to do with them than it did a lack of interest from Kansas. Yeah, and, and when it comes to kind of recruitment and whatnot, getting Devin Royal and Scotty Middleton, if they do, in the same week, what do you do? You think that kind of sends a message to the Big Ten a little bit of like, especially with what recruiting class Ohio State has coming in, that I mean, they're if they do get Middleton, there's a chance they have the third best class in 2023, only behind Kentucky and Duke. So I yeah. mean, that's some high level recruiting Ohio State's been doing right now. And no question, I think their class was underrated last year as well. I really like Bryce Sensball. I really like Bruce Thornton. Uh, Felix Akpara is another good player. That's that's three really solid players there, and I, I'm sure I'm missing a couple that are that are highly uh, you know ranked as well. The highest ranked one of all of them, I think, was Roddy Gale. I think he was higher than all of them. Yeah, there you go, Roddy Gale. That guy's that guy's a, a real good score, and and I think that's that kind of put the Big Ten on notice. And then if you add in Devin Royal, who I think is is a borderline five star with Scotty Middleton, who's a top fifty player for sure. On top of George Washington the third, who's a top hundred guy, you know, and I know you have Austin Parks, who's who's another top one hundred and fifty guy. That's a that's a lot to like, and, and and you have to appreciate that from Holtman. And and you would think that the Big Ten might be looking at that, saying, "Hold on, now Ohio State's got some stuff cooking." And not only do I think the the opposing Big Ten programs are looking at it, I think other players are looking at it. I think I think you know when when you see a program really hitting it off and, and getting a lot of high end talent, you gravitate towards that. When there's momentum, that's the way you want to go. And I think I think it's standing out to to both players and coaches alike. The the next guy we want to talk about it's um it's kind of a developing situation here because the timeline has been sped up. It seems um, so we're really interested. We talked about it before we brought you on, and we want to know what you think about it. Um, Dalen Swain is a Columbus kid, very good player. There are a lot of folks that are saying that kind of like very, very high ceiling, but potentially a little bit lower floor as well, boomer bust kind of guy. He moved up his top five to Friday, which coincidentally, we're pretty much in agreement that cannot be a coincidence, is before Scotty Middleton potentially takes Ohio State. Um, If Ohio State, they've already locked up Royal, it's looking mm. likely that they take Middle, Middleton, which gives them four guys in the class after taking five last year. Um, taking Swain, they would hypothetically have all 13 scholarships already accounted for over a year out, which means sure. no, room for in, no room for incoming transfers. Obviously, um, I think there were 10 programs that didn't lose a transfer, so you're looking at probably somebody walking away. But how likely is it, do you think, that Ohio State – also takes Swain, a fifth guy, and like their their roster would be locked. That's their thirteen scholarships for now. Yeah, I think uh, in the in the era of the portal being such a, a huge tool, you'd have to be surprised if they don't leave a spot open. At the end of the day, these are you know uh, as good as high school prospects can be. You know, these are proven college players. In the portal, and you saw how how Holtman has handled that so far. You know, in the last the last cycle, I think he brought in. Let's see, I think he brought in Sean McNeil, uh, Isaac Likely from from uh, o- Oklahoma State, and then Tanner Holden, um, you know, from Wright State. And in, in in the last class alone, that's three guys. I, I think it'd be shocking to see him fill up all those spots with with high school talent. Now, do I think Dalen Swain is fitting of of an Ohio State? Uh, you know, commitment. Yeah, I think I think he is. I watched him a lot with All Ohio Red down at Peach Jam. Uh, that was one of my favorite teams to watch. They have such you know a lot of high end talent with with George Washington, Devin Royal, uh, you know Laurent Rice. I, I really like those guys. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Dalen Dalen's a really good player, and, and maybe he's not quite you know a shooter at this point. And I think that might be a little bit of concern for for maybe bringing him in on this class. You know, considering Royal's not uh, a tremendous shooter, uh, obviously Austin's not a great shooter by any means, and Dalen isn't uh, quite a knockdown guy. He's not. He's not the guy that you're uh, running off the three point line every time. Still very, you know, capable of making outside shots. I think it'd be interesting to bring in three guys that maybe not, you know, certainly aren't known as shooters. I just think it'd be. Uh, I, I don't think it's likely. That are you, you know, are you buying into that same wavelength about Swain? That I mean, we've heard it from a few people locally that 
kind of high ceiling, lower floor, potentially boomer bust. Like if I've heard a lot of like, Hey, if this kid can come into college and put on 20 to 30 pounds and improve his shot, you're looking at maybe a two years and off to the NBA guy versus if he can't do those two things. I mean, you're looking at a guy that would really struggle in the big 10 because I mean, he's yeah. a Columbus, he's a Columbus kid. So local people really, really would love to see him in the scarlet and gray. I just, I'm not sure if logistically it's going to work out. No question. I think that's got, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I do think he's a, uh, a high ceiling, low floor kind of guy, just like you said. You know, there, there were games at Peach Jam where he would go for 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, you know, and then the next night he'd have 10 points and nothing. You know, and that's, that, that's something to note. Uh, I, I, I just don't know if you take that chance when you know you can get a Scotty Middleton, when you know you have Devin Royal. Um, but I, I agree. I think, I think if you take him and he turns out to be the guy that he could be, that, that's a major win for Ohio State. I think he's a great prospect. I really liked watching him play. I think he's uh, a very athletic guy. And, and, and yeah, he's, he's a little, uh, little thin at this point and, and does need to put on some weight. And if he does that, develops his shot, develops some, some in-between skills, you're talking about a really good college player and, and potentially NBA player. But I just, I just don't think it's likely considering the way Holtman has used the transfer portal in previous seasons. And the one other guy we'll hit on real quick, um, and it feels like the guy that might be going a little bit unnoticed because of the Devin Royal and Middleton and Swain smoke and because he committed so long ago is George Washington III, who at one point was higher, was higher ranked than Middleton and uh, Royal. Now he's kind of fallen a little bit. Uh, just what have you seen from him? I know you, I know you've been able to see him as well. Just where are you kind of with him? Yeah, I think he's a, uh, you know, a, a high volume scorer. He's a lot better than the talent he plays in high school. And I think that's led him almost to doing uh, maybe a, a little too much when it when it comes to you know raising the talent level at EYBL. There were a couple games where he was extremely turnover prone, turned the ball over too much, and then there were other games where he lit it up from from behind the arc. And and that's the kind of flashes you get from George Washington. And I think that's why he was ranked in the top twenty five for a long time. You know when he's playing at his best, he's a really good prospect. And then he'll go quiet some games. And not not to say that that he doesn't you know possess that ability to to, to stay consistent, but he hasn't necessarily shown that he, he's he's had some real big scoring games, uh, including some at Peach Jam, but but man he he's got a nice handle, but I just think he's a little too uh, too careless with the ball at this point. Um, and if he tightens up and maybe maybe takes a, a more confined role, I think he's a uh, a guy that could develop into a a good college player. You know, he's a combo guard, but he's probably more of a two. I don't think he, he quite sets his teammates up enough to be a, a true one. Not that he couldn't do so. I think he, I think he definitely could. And I don't want to sound like I'm down on him. I think he's a, I think he's a, uh, you know, a prospect that's deserving of a, you know, a, a ranking around a hundred. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a compliment to, you know, at least in my eyes. If I was ranked top hundred, I would take it as a compliment. Um, and I think he's fitting of a ranking around that times. I just. You know, I think I think not many programs offered him because he did commit to Ohio State so early. So I think there's a, a lot of things that get skewed, uh, in not not necessarily in his favor. That that perhaps if they went the other way, people would would be uh, watching him a lot more. Yeah, it's always funny. I'll see people be like, "Oh, he's only 90th." It's like, what do you mean only 90th? You know how many high school basketball players there are? Like, yeah. it's it's still very it's the top one percent still. So no it question. is interesting. I, I think it's mainly just because, as you said, at one point. He was ranked so high. Now I think pe- people see that fall. I don't think that that's a huge thing. But um, do you think it'll benefit? I know you mentioned earlier you're high on on Bruce Thornton. Do you think it'll benefit George Washington coming in? Obvious. I don't think at this point Bruce Thornton's a one and done. So he'll be a sophomore when George Washington comes in and kind of play behind him and Roddy Gale a little bit. Yeah, I, I always like you know uh, the the saying, sit behind the veterans and learn valuable lessons. You know, okay, that that's great. I think George Washington is the kind of guy that could come in and, and, and get some minutes because he is a good shooter and, and shooting is invaluable in, in today's game. I think, you know, Bruce Thornton's the kind of guy that that's going to, you know, be the Ohio state staple at point guard. I really like him. He's, he's down in my area. He went to Milton high school in Alpharetta, Georgia, which, which I'm about, you know, 30 minutes out from him. And so that's uh it, it's, it's always good to see a, a Georgia guy. And even though I cover Michigan and Rutgers and, all that stuff. I, I still like to see 
players players go to where they they, they should be. And I think he, he was a great fit for Ohio State, as well as Roddy Gale. I think both of those guys are going to be big for Ohio State in, in the near future. I'm not not even projecting you know two three years down the line. I think in the near future those guys are big. And obviously, anytime you get to learn under two uh, uber talented guards, uh, you know like like those two. That that's valuable for George, and I think it, I think it'll help him out a lot uh, transitioning to the game. You know, he's probably uh, he. I, I know some people think he's six two or so. I think he's probably closer to six foot and a half, six foot one, and, and I think I think he's he's going to be okay because he's such a pesky defender. But he is a little smaller than people people say. Um, but learning behind those two guys, I think, is going to be really valuable for him. Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the uh, benefits that I've seen from this class is, and you kind of mentioned it with everybody, is they all play defense pretty well. And I think that's a knock on some high schoolers when they're coming out. Um, I know I've seen that kind of – some people have said that about Xavier Booker a little bit, that he's not the best defender at this point. So it's nice to see kind of Middleton, Royal, and George Washington all kind of commit to that end this early in their – you know, j- just being high schoolers is, is always kind of nice. Especially in a, yeah, in a in a role with like like a Chris Holtman who needs to see that. Well, no question, and that that's uber important in the Big Ten. You can't play in the Big Ten if you can't play defense. That that's just how it is. And 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 you know we talked about of course George Devin, but particularly Scotty Middleton. I think he's a really really good defender. I think he's uh, one of the one of the better wing defenders in the country. And that might be an unpopular opinion, but I I, I really like him. And I think I think he's a uh, I think he's a perfect fit for Ohio State, and if they get him on the sixth, which, you know, like I said, I put in a, a future cast prediction, that, that's a really good pickup for for Ohio State. I mean, that's been Ohio State's. Uh, it's felt like uh, the last couple seasons. That's it's like they've been playing with ball and chain around their ankles because it seems like the last couple of years. I don't know how much OSU you've watched. They've got a top ten offense, and then the defense is just so atrocious. It's like you know you've got this unbelievable offense but they can't advance in the tournament because their defense has just been so, so sketchy. So now they're, you know, looks like Holtman's trying to circle in on some of these guys that he can count on to be better on ball defenders. No question. I think that speaks for every, every team in the country, not just Ohio state. At the end of the day, the game has transitioned so much to an offensive friendly game. You're starting to see programs that play defense win the national championship. Look at what Virginia did. Look at what Baylor did. Those are teams that play defense, and they and they, those are two of the last four national champions, and, and those are two of the best defensive teams in the country. I think I think Holtman knows what he needs. Ohio State can score; he can draw up plays to get buckets. That that's never been a concern with Holtman. At the end of the day, you bring in some really good defenders who can get stops on the other end. You're in a, a good spot to contend for not only Big Ten titles but national championships as well. Yeah, so I got two more. These are I got two more questions for you. Then we'll get you out of here because I know you're a busy guy. These are more general questions, and one of them, I, this one's a little bit maybe leaded because you go to all these big showcases. So this one might mm-hmm. be kind of tough. Uh, I'll just tell you my answer to this. So I, I was covering high school sports, um, just for like a random newspaper in Nebraska when I came out of college. But it just gotcha. so happened two of the high schools I covered. Uh, they're two. Uh, Hunter Salas went to one of them, and Chucky Hepburn of Wisconsin went to the other. Sure. So I was so so. My answer, to, so my question is going to be, who is like the best high schooler you've seen play? And it's inter- like for me, it's different because I don't. I've never been to the Peach Jam, but like, who is it? Is it a guy like Gigi Jackson? Have you seen him? Like, who is the best high schooler you've seen out there when you're when you're covering mm-hmm. guys? Man, that is a really good question. You know, obviously being at Peach Jam, you know, it, it's the largest collection of elite youth basketball in, in the world. There are so many good players there. I really like DJ Wagner. Um, it's a shame Isaiah Collier didn't get to play. I think he's the best player in the country. Um, and I wish I would have been able to to see him down there in that, that environment. I'll go with um, – man, that is a really tough question. I, Gosh. I'll give you a one that maybe not be you know, wouldn't quite be on the record. I'll go with Cooper Flag in 2025. He was so impressive, and, and so was uh, so was Big Boozer. Uh, he also a 2025 guy. They, both of those guys were really really impressive down at Peach Jam, and I think I think Cooper, I think Cooper needs to be a little more physical, but I think he's he's easily a top five prospect regardless of class 
Uh, he was the best player for Team USA's uh, U17 team, despite being 15 years old. That that says a lot, and in, in the way he dominates the game on both ends, you know, getting you know <laughs> at Peach Jam, it felt like he blocked 10 shots a game and seven steals and 15 dunks. I mean, that, that's just the way it felt. And, and I'll go with I'll go with Cooper Flag. That's a that's one off the record there, or not maybe not off the record, but uh, you know, out of uh, out of left field. Yeah, I I don't I don't consume too much barstool content, but I do follow Big Cat, and he's he's tweeted about Cooper Flag as like, is he going to be the next like hated white guy that goes like Duke or whatever? Um, yeah. But I know I know people are already starting to <laughs> probably yes, but I know people are already starting to kind of take notice of him. You mentioned Isaiah Collier. I'm actually curious because uh, you are he's so many connections to you because most people think he's going to Michigan. He's also from Marietta, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. What what how good is he? <laughs> For, you know, like tell I us said, Ohio State fans what we got to deal with here. You know, uh, d- depending on what comes out of this decision, and you know, I can't speak for them. I don't know where he's going. I haven't, you know, I haven't asked that question. And, and regardless, even if they told me, I wouldn't be. I, I would never spoil that for them. Um, that is the best player in the country, in my opinion, to me. And, and I, I might be a little biased because I'm a Georgia kid, and I see him. I see him play down here. And quite honestly, I could have answered Isaiah Collier for the best player I've seen. Like, look, that that guy is is ridiculous. If he goes to Michigan, you know, he's a uh, an elite guy. And, and and Ohio State fans, well, they shouldn't be afraid. You know, you should never be afraid of, of players. That that's an elite player. And maybe he sticks around two years uh, at, at one of the West Coast schools, and all of a sudden you're playing him regardless in the Big Ten. You know, and and maybe you schedule Cincinnati again and get him. Look, at the end of the day, I think Isaiah Collier's a really good player, um, and one of the very best players in the country, regardless of class. Yeah, and I know you said you don't like, and I agree with everything you just said about player comps. I don't like them either. I think they're mm-hmm. just kind, of, they're just weird. And I always love like the NFL NBA draft where you have somebody who doesn't really like. They always put guys. It seems like that, like Kendrick Perkins. Uh, player comps for the NBA draft were <laughs> the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. But um, the one comp I've seen for Collier is John Wall. Do you think that's a fair? Is that fair? Yeah. Well, so it's funny. I actually asked him if he thought that that was a fair comparison. Really? <laughs> yeah. I asked him. I asked him what he thought, and he said that he doesn't have the athleticism of John Wall. Wow. Uh, and and but but he made sure to say yet. So I, I uh, okay. No, I, I think a, as a playing style goes, yeah, I think that's a very fair comparison. He. He's one of the very elite playmaking guards in the country, and, and he led EYBL in assists with six and a half per game, uh, which is which is very impressive because six and a half you know assists per game in EYBL is really like seven and a half or eight in the college yeah. game. That mm-hmm. that's impressive. Not to mention he was a top ten scorer in EYBL with seventeen point eight points per game. That's big, you know. Look, I, I really like him. I think uh, I think John Wall is a a fair comparison. I don't think quite the, you know, I, I certainly don't think he's the athlete, but, but the playmaking is there, the ability to score and certainly the size Isaiah six, three and a half, six, four. That's, that's a big point guard. And that's what John Wall is. So uh, I don't think it's a, a terrible comparison at all. Maybe minus the athleticism. And then our last question, and we'll get you out of here. Obviously Ohio state has some great freshmen coming in, but outside of them for our fans of just going to, when they're going to tune in, some Ohio State fans are going to tune in in January. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And they're going to watch conference play. Who are some of the Big Ten freshmen coming in? That you know, is it Sky Clark? Who's kind of you looking at to the, for them to pay attention to? Yeah, I like Sky. Um, a little worried about him coming off of the ACL injury. I, I think he's going to be okay because a lot of his game is built around his head and his IQ rather than it is you know his explosion or dunking on people. So I think I think that's a good one for me. I'm going to go with three guys. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with, with the easy way out for me. I'm going to go with Jet Howard from Michigan. Uh, I really like him. I think I think he's a you know a potential one and done, but I think a two and done is probably more likely with with being a lottery pick in, in uh, a draft two years from now. I like Jet a lot. Six seven uh, tweener between the two or three uh, has a, has a lot of on ball creation. Uh, one of the more NBA ready prospects from the Jordan brand classic, the Iverson uh, All-American classic, those, those things. And that's coming from NBA players. I think, I think that's one to watch and, and specifically one for Michigan. And then I'll go with Jalen Hood Shafino from, from Indiana. I'll be curious to see how that role projects with Tamar Bates, who was another five-star guard 
Uh, I like to see how he jumps in his sophomore season. And, and if he doesn't make a jump uh, like everyone's expecting him to, Jalen Huchifino clearly slides in at that combo guard, uh, at com- the combo guard role. And I, I really like him a lot. He's big, physical, uh, good passer. I, I like him. And, and finally, I'll go with one that not, at one point wasn't quite off the record, uh, but, but now one that I really like is Gus Yaldin. I really like Gus Bus. You know, he might not pass the eye test. He might only be a six foot eight uh, center, 250 pounds. He might not be the most athletic. He might not, you know, be able to jump. Okay, that guy gets it done on the court. He's the kind of center that goes to, to Wisconsin and dominates for the Badgers for the next four years. And we're finally, you know, he finally gets out of college and we're like, oh my gosh, that guy was there forever. That's who Gus Yaldin is. I really like him. He, he's the kind of kid that, on the circuit goes for 35 and 16, but doesn't get any love because he doesn't pass the eye test. So I think, I think Gus is one of those kids that you really need to watch out for. If you're, you know, not only an Ohio state fan, but any big 10 team fan. That's, that's a lot of info. People got to, people are going to listen to this and they're going to have to, they're going to have to study up, man. We got a lot of info for people to absorb in uh, about 33 minutes, Davis. Um, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, if people want to read your stuff, what you're working on right now, where can they read your stuff and also where can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I would say the best route, you know, unless you want to, you know, get, get a sub, uh, over at rivals.com, you, you can check my stuff out there, but, but follow me on Twitter. I, I like to cover a lot of different programs and not only basketball. I, I recently, uh, accepted a position with the rivals national football team to cover the transfer portal. For, for Rivals.com on a new site that, that should be launching within the next week. We'll have some big projects out on there. So give me a follow over at, at Davis Mosley on Twitter. Um, and, and stay tuned for a lot of content. And like I said, you don't have to be a Michigan fan. You don't have to be a Rutgers fan. Give me, give me all the fans in the world. At the end of the day, I'm going to cover content. And I, at the end of the day, I want to be a national guy. So so that, that's where I'm at. And I, I'm going to branch, you know, branch out and, and move on my horizons and, and really develop uh, a fan base uh, across the across the nation. So give me a follow over there. And I, like I said, you know, I really appreciate y'all having me. It's been great. I told you we were going to have a good show, and I think we delivered on that. So, yeah, hey sure. man, appreciate over it. here we we just we love people who love college hoops. So we appreciate you. Hopefully, we can talk to you again at some point uh, during the season once we can see some of these uh, freshmen we've been talking about. See if uh, you know kind of the hype pans out. So we appreciate you. Um, you know, good luck this season, my man. And hopefully we can have you on soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, uh, I'll definitely love to be back. That'd be, uh, that'd be a lot of fun guys. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Davis for taking the time to talk to us. Um, now we just have to sit back and uh, see what these guys do this weekend and how you know this 2023 class shakes out for Chris Holtman and his staff. Uh, speaking of Holtman, we did speak to him this week for about 20 minutes. Um, we got some updates on injuries as well as some expectations for some of the freshmen and uh, just little bits of info that we've kind of been waiting on but haven't been able to get. Um, he started with Justice Suing and Seth Towns, who are both practicing, but they are limited. They will not play in the games in the Bahamas. Um, but he expects both of them to be 100% fully cleared by September. He also uh, he did not confirm whether he was going to be wearing a Hawaiian shirt, so we do have to keep a we have to keep an eye on that uh, because that's that's big news. I mean, I, I feel like he has to wear a Hawaiian shirt, right? Yeah, they asked him um, if he was. They said, "Can you pull that off?" He said, "Like he's like, no, I can't. I can't pull that off." Um, but then he kind of pointed back. I think it was Tim Hall, who's like a radio guy in Columbus. He's like, "You can pull that off." and he kind of pointed back at Holtman. It's like, oh, no, you have to. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what else did we get out of that? Gene Brown um, has had a groin injury. He might be on a minutes restriction, but he's going to be playing in the Bahamas. So it can't be too bad if they're going to have him play in pretty pointless games in the Bahamas. What else? What else? What else did we get yeah, there? The, the one the one point I'll just jump in real quick with it. Don't take too if you're listening to this and you're kind of worried because justice suing set towns aren't playing these games don't mean anything so there if there's any if they're not a hundred percent they're not going to play especially with those two coming off the injuries they're coming off of so i would not read into it too heavy um 
you know, we're still three months from any meaningful basketball. So just take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> he did kind of insinuate that Bowen Hardman is probably going to redshirt. Um, he didn't say it straight up, but he did say four of the freshmen, which they have five freshmen, four of the freshmen that we expect to play have all had really good moments of practice. So, I mean, that would infer that they don't expect one of the five freshmen to play very much, which I'm assuming is Bowen Hardman. Um, he was a three-star. I forget what his official recruiting rank was, but I want to say he was up in like the 170s. He would, he'll probably end up being like the last guy in the rotation if he doesn't redshirt, but it sounds like they really don't expect him to play very much. Um, Adam Jardy's also said that he just, his body, he looks a little skinnier, like, He's, he's not nearly as physically imposing. I'm, I'm trying to say this in a nice way. He's not nearly as physically imposing as like Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton are walking in the door right now. Yeah, he's skinny. I mean, is, that's just the, probably the best way to put it. Um, I think most people assume somebody's going to have to redshirt uh, just in terms of how many. If you don't, you have probably 12 rotation guys. So, And it just makes sense for Bowen to redshirt. But, I mean, look at Kalen Etzler. He put on some serious muscle, some serious kind of size. When he redshirted and he looks ready to go. So I think that's exactly the route they're going to take with Bowen. It would just make sense. Tanner Holden, his quote about Tanner Holden was, um, Tanner's been good. I think Tanner needs to continue to adjust to the length and the speed of the game. We're excited about his continued growth. We think there will be some transition elements for sure, which to me, that's a lot of coach speak for um, kind of the same things you heard about Cedric Russell last summer. Um, he's going to need to adjust to the speed of the Big Ten. He's going to need to adjust to the size in the Big Ten, which um, I forget who we talked to a few months ago about Tanner Holden. Um, might have been It might have just been Joe Gemma who said that it wouldn't shock him if Tanner was off the bench. That's kind of what Holtman, it seems like, is pointing at here. Yeah, I, there's so many different iterations of this line that they can go with. Um, I think it's going to be a situation of maybe it doesn't matter who starts the game, who finishes it kind of deal. Um uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see Tanner Holden kind of as he, because I don't, I, you know, with with Cedric Russell, it was, and Adam Jardy talked about it um, with us when we had him on last year to preview the season. It was just like he wasn't quite getting the defensive end of it. Um, that doesn't seem to really be Holden's issue because he's been a good defender his entire career. But the biggest thing for Holden is going to be sticking to his game, which is getting in the paint. Drawing free, getting to the foul. He's a fantastic. He's a good free throw shooter, and he gets to the line like no other. Basically, um, he had like the third highest rate in college basketball when it came to free throws, like even more than just suing. So um, that's something he's just gonna have to stick to his game and, and be able to translate that to the Big Ten. And I mean, look, free throws translate anywhere. So that, that I mean, that's something that do I expect him to average twenty and eight? No, of course not. But as long as he can come in and be a meaningful contributor. With guys, honestly, if they just they might not have a star, they might just have ten meaningful contributors, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I think that Tanner Holden's going to be a really good player. I think that maybe maybe he won't be quite as good as I thought he was going to be right when he committed, and I was like, oh man, this guy's going to be like. We were like, oh, did they just did they just get their leading score via the transfer portal? I think I've chilled out chilled out a little bit since then. I don't know if he's going to be like their leading score. I think he'll be pretty good, but it makes sense that you know going from uh, Wright State's Horizon League, right, to go from you know Horizon League to the Big Ten is going to be an adjustment. And there was also, I think, a l- just real quick, a little bit of recency bias there because he was just coming off that huge NCAA tournament game and whatnot. So I think we've kind of cooled off on that just in terms of kind of what what he's going to bring to the table because of it's been a little bit of time now to kind of dissect it. Uh, last bit, um, we can talk about. Felix Akpara, there, he had a pretty good quote about Felix. Um, somebody asked, um, how was the question asked about Felix? I think it was just, just like a general, like, how is he looking in practice? Do you think he's ready to, like, step in and play right away? That kind of thing. Because that was the big concern when they got Akpara was um, fans and people were like, okay, he's super tall. He's really skinny. Um, they're saying he's, like, He's a, a project offensively. Is he just another Ibrahima Diallo? Is that what we're getting? Um, what Holman said was, there's a level of patience with any freshman big man. There's definitely room for growth. He's done some really good things. He still gets the ball slapped away from him at times. There's some things we need to work on with him. But he's legitimately 6'11", 
he can almost reach the top of the square on the backboard, which if you pause and think about that, just jumping and being able to grab rim is like impressive. But Felix Akpara can basically grab the top of the entire glass. Um, he can almost reach the top of the square of the backboard. He's a terrific athlete, and he moves really well at that size. He's almost up to 220 pounds now, um, but he's going to he's going to have some growing pains this year, as are all of those guys, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's what you'd expect. I never quite understood the huge concern people had for his size. Like When he gets on campus, he's going to add 20, 25 pounds. That's just how this works. You're talking about a kid that's 17 when he's in high school. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger, so... Um, I've, I've never been worried about him. I think he's going to be a star, you know, star, but I think he'll rotate in and probably play like 10, 15 minutes per game this season behind Zed key. Um, well, and that's kind of the good part is you don't need him to be a 25 minute on a guy. Cause Zed key is your guy. Zed key is going to play 25 minutes a night. So you can kind of have him kind of work his way into it, which is, which is nice. <laughs> So we got we got a bunch of recruiting stuff in. We got our interview with Davis Mosley, and we kind of hit on Holtman's media stuff that we, we got this week. So that'll probably do it for us today. Um, if you are finding us on the website, make sure to also subscribe um, on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your music so that when we put out new episodes, you'll be notified. We are under the Land Grant Holy Land feed. You can also follow us on Twitter, the podcast account at Bucketheads LGHL. We try to do as much content as we can on there, even though it's August. And obviously when the season kicks off, there'll be a lot more stuff there. Maybe do some spaces this year or something. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. Anything to just get some get some discussion going. Um, the main site is Land Grant 33. If you want to find that out, obviously with football coming up, we do a lot of obviously we do a lot of great work with football. So check out all those podcasts and articles as well. You can follow me at Justin underscore Golba on Twitter. And then Connor, where are you uh you can follow me on twitter at lamans underscore connor that's l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor i think we could do some spaces this season um when we made the twitter last year we only had like 40 50 followers so we didn't want to do like a a twitter spaces where it's like me and you and one more person but but we have a couple hundred followers on twitter now so if we get some people that want to do spaces after games and stuff and talk about it that could be cool we could get into that thanks for listening to this week everybody hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the interview um, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.